Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising is One podcast. Before we begin this week's episode, we just want to give a few shout-outs to our sponsors, Firebird Rising, The Beautiful Game Network, and Oro Brewing Company. Oro Brewing Company is located in Mesa, and feel free to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising victory or during the off-season and get happy hour pricing for your drinks. Firebird Rising is available at firebirdrising.coreair, K-O-R-R-A-I-R, .com, BGN FM for the Beautiful Game Network website. And then if you want to give us any feedback or ratings, please go to iTunes or Stitcher and do that. Any ratings or feedback would be greatly appreciated. And now, let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising is One podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeff. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, it's going great today, Dominic. Uh, a lot of good news that we got out of here in the last week or so, and uh, sounds like uh, 2018 is ready to roll. It really is right around the corner, and you know, for so long we were wondering, are we going to get any news? There were definitely a couple slow weeks around the holiday season, but then we get all sorts of stuff this past week just in the last seven days. I think the first big thing we want to cover is the shrug emoji for February 10th for the Mobile Mini preseason tournament. You can get rid of that now because it will be the New York Red Bulls coming to town on February 10th. Hopefully we'll get to see Bradley Wright Phillips out there. Maybe we'll even get to see them, uh, Bradley and Sean, play against each other. But that completes the three matches in Phoenix. So it'll be February 10th. We host the New York Red Bulls Valentine's Day, February 14th. We get to play the Colorado Rapids. And on Saturday, February 17th, we will host Sporting KC. What are your thoughts on New York Red Bulls? Definitely an interesting matchup. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll be great to see a, a team from the Eastern Conference that we haven't seen before. And, and uh, you know, like you said, great to see a Bradley Wright Phillips uh, come out here and if SWP hopefully happens to still be with the team. It'd be nice to see him uh, involved in that game. Uh, you know, if not, you know, I'm sure we'll probably still see some of their, you know, Red Bulls two players. You know, I'm sure trying to fight for spots on their main roster yet. But uh, you know, a great addition. You know, obviously, New York Red Bulls has a has a, a long history uh, in MLS, so it's great to be able to get a club with such history as that. And finally, uh, wrap up this uh, preseason schedule of games that's going to happen here in Phoenix. Absolutely. And it is worth noting, we still don't have the February 24th game in Tucson announced just yet. So stay tuned. That could happen in the next week. Well, no, that'll that'll depend on uh, how some of the results happen in the, in the Mobile Mini Cup. Indeed. So another big piece of news that came out this week, probably the next biggest story, the USL released its home openers for every team, and that means that 
we now have our first two matches. We know exactly who we're playing the first two matches of the 2018 USL season. We are going to travel once again to Orange County to play Orange County Soccer Club. This will be our first match in their new soccer arena, which opened up just a couple weeks after we visited them last August. And then on March 24th, we get our home opener against Oklahoma City Energy. That should be a fun matchup. It's been a pretty strong rivalry. Both our matchups last year, very entertaining seesaw affairs. What are your thoughts on those two matches? I, I hate having to go to Orange County to open the season. I, like you said, they, they've been a death knell to us. You know, we struggled so much last year with them. You know, playing to a couple of draws over there. Uh, you know, we've had some luck here with them, but uh, but you know, maybe maybe starting on the road is a good thing. You know, at least it's not your typical what's been in the past three four games on the road before they open at home you know it's only one game i think everybody can deal with that uh you know i'm sure you know with the influx of players that orange county has, has brought in uh, for the new season it, you know definitely some changes on the horizon and obviously you know a, a, a solid roster that we have in place right now we tweak it a little bit here and there with a couple of players, and, and who knows? You know, I think three points can definitely be had very easily. Yeah, I mean, I look at those matches as I mean, you really want to get that win against Oklahoma City. They're going to be coming off of a season-opening home match against Tulsa Roughnecks, so that's a big rivalry clash that they're going to have to deal with before coming to Phoenix and playing us. Hopefully, we can catch them coming off of a tough match, but it is early in the season, so people should be pretty well-rested, relatively healthy, pretty fired up. And then I think if we can get four points from those two games, I'm fine with that. Orange County, I really want to beat, but they are just always they are just always that team. We can't get that monkey off our back. Every time we seem to dominate them or create the better chances at least, and yet it always ends up being a draw. If we can beat OKC, I'd be okay with the draw. Not ideal, but... It'll definitely be interesting with OKC coming in. You know, obviously, you know, it'll be different now that they don't have Jimmy Nielsen on the sidelines for them. I mean, obviously, he was a great coach that, that did a lot of good work for them over the years, but obviously, they decided to go in a different direction. You know, Jimmy is no longer there, you know, so we'll see what the new style is going to look like for this club. Um, you know, I, I you know, that, that, that's a sad one, I guess. You know, don't get me wrong. You, know, you always hate to see coaches come and go, but, I, you know, I think Jimmy was one of the, the nicer guys you saw in the game that always came here or something. He was always good with his time and always was, was honest in his opinions. So, I mean, I think that's one of the guys we'll hate to see not being on the sidelines this year. Right, and then going back to Orange County, I mean, we'll get to this more as the podcast goes along, but they do have a couple pretty talented players coming in for the 2018 season. The guy at the top of that list, Christian Duke, who was an absolute handful for us to deal with in our matches against Swole Park. So they look like they are upgrading as their parent organization, LAFC, makes their MLS debut. So it's definitely not a match that you want to take for granted. Um, 
do we want to move on to the story you had about trialists getting a chance to compete? Yeah, this is this is definitely interesting. Uh, shout out to, to Chad Smith from uh, uh, the Blue Testament. Also, Chad does some work for us, you know, at Firebird Rising. Uh, the uh, trialists for Phoenix Rising FC are going to get to play Sporting KC on January 27th at uh, the Phoenix Rising Sports Complex uh, in a, uh, a 11 a.m. game there. And then uh, four days later, on January 31st, Sporting KC is also going to play Sporting Arizona, the uh, UPSL team that uh, that is uh, located in town. And it's you know it's great to see that uh, that you know Sporting Kansas City is, is giving you know these guys a chance to play against them to give them a chance to see what you know what they can put together. It's all cool. It's great to see, and it, you know uh, you know. Kudos to, to Sporting KC for doing this. I mean, they didn't have to at all. They could have just walked right into their, you know, first matches of, of the, the Mobile Mini Cup and just, you know, started it that way. But, you know, to give the, the trialists a shot to, you know, to play, and that gives uh, Patrice Carteron an opportunity to get a look at a few players that, you know, obviously most of the roster is set, but you're still looking for those, you know, probably four or five players that, that will, you know, need to find their way to the roster, you know, as backup positions. So, you know, uh, that'll be interesting to see for sure. Absolutely. And we talk about the, you know, we talked off air about trialists. One example of a trialist last year is Victor Vasquez. Got his chances early in the season and end up having a regular role with us by the end of the season. Duigi Mala uh, was taking or Amadou Dia, excuse me, was taking some of those starts at left back, but he still was very active in the team. So you never know when you give those trialists an opportunity. I know that the Red Fury supporters group was wanting to see those matches, but it looks like those will be close to the public. Yeah, those they will be. So, uh, you know, you, you understand that because obviously trialists are not under contracts. So you, you, know, you really can't... Uh, can't talk too much about them you can't i mean most times you can't even mention them by name all you can do is just say oh this guy who played this position looked good or this guy who played that position looked good and we understand that you know and it's it's all good you know but it you know gives them an opportunity to to really earn their way into an opportunity possibly of playing against red bulls possibly playing again against sporting kc when they come back up here uh middle february you know the, uh, the options there are endless. Absolutely, they are. And a couple other things before we dive into the fan comments about the rest of our schedule, which will be released this upcoming week, and even other comments that will lead into the rest of the show. There's been nothing officially announced by Phoenix Rising, so take that with a grain of salt, but there have been two articles saying that Yam Fringpong, a midfielder from Ghana could be coming to Phoenix Rising. He would be joining Solomon Asante, who played in Ghana for many years, with TP Mazembe. Um, I think Gladson Awako also had experience with TP Mazembe. Of course, Patrice Carteron, our head coach, managed at TP Mazembe for several years in the early 2010s. So, 
you know, there was first a source back around Christmas Day saying that this is a possibility, and then another source from January 4th, a GhanaSoccerNet.com website, saying that Yam Frimpong is likely to head to Phoenix Rising on a one- or two-year deal. Again, no official announcement, but if this ends up being true, what are your thoughts? Obviously, it just adds to a to an already solid midfield. I mean, you know, you've got Gladson Waco, you've got Alessandro Rigi, you've got Kevon Lambert. You know, you've you've got other guys. That, you know, it's going to make it even tougher. You know, to, to to crack this roster. I mean, I tell you, keep bringing them in, and you know, maybe. I think maybe what we might be figuring out with the way that Carterone is setting things up, he feels solid about his back line. If, you know, if that's, you know, Vasquez slash Dia, uh, you know, Joe Farrell. And, Zimala, you know, one thing, Kassa. one thing too, it was actually my mistake. He, he actually plays right back. So this actually would create, potentially some competition for Cody Wakasa if it actually comes true. Exactly. And that, that would help, you know, that's, that's where I think, you know, you may see a bulk of these trialists, uh, you know, where, where they may come from. They may come from the back end because we've talked about this before when we've gone through this lineup and we've gone through all the changes they've made. And you'd look, to, you'd look down this, this transfer list, midfielder, goalkeeper, forward, forward, midfielder, midfielder. Defender, 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 midfield, forward, midfield, midfield. You see so many midfielders, so many forwards, you don't see as many defenders. I think that's got to be the area of focus. You may find one or two guys that end up being those guys that that could be the, the you know the backups in the midfield. But I think my guess is that that uh, they're gonna come out Patrice is going to start looking to the back line and making sure his back line is shored up. Because obviously, you know, 34 games, 31 weeks, you're going to have at least in there three weeks double games. So you're obviously going to have to start looking at, okay, I need strong guys that can play 60 minutes one night, 60 minutes three nights later. You know, I think you're going to need to see players like that. I think Patrice will be able to handle that a little bit better now that he'll have the full opportunity to have his guys with him this year. Definitely. Definitely looking forward to that and uh, really looking forward to the preseason, whether or not Frimpong joins the roster. Two other things, small stories involving the team. Uh, the first one is that Phoenix Rising announced its official 2018 scarf. It was designed by Jamie Mopar Loya as voted by the fans, and the scarves are already on sale. So go to the Phoenix Rising FC website if you want to snatch one of those. I believe that if you recommend a friend for season tickets, you get one automatically as well. And another thing, if you are in college, or if anyone you know is in college in the Phoenix area, let them know about the Rising U Pass. This allows students in college with a valid university ID to get access to all of the home matches plus a Didier Drogba bobblehead for only $50. If you want to split that up by game, that ends up being under $3 a game, which is just a ridiculous value. You're getting the Didier Drogba bobblehead. One thing to note, 
and I was very thankful that Joey Castor was able to clear this up. The Rising U Pass gets you access into the stadium, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee supporters section how they're going to do it. If 48 hours before opening kickoff, it's not a sellout, then those tickets become supporters section. If it is a highly anticipated game and it is a sellout, then you're going to be standing room only. But I have to imagine the vast majority of matches would get you into the supporters section with that pass. And so either way, it's just a great way to get into the stadium. Really, really awesome deal. Whether you're going to ASU, GCU, you know, even if you're a U of A person that comes up some weekends, definitely check that out. I think it's a great concept by the front office. I mean, obviously they, you know, they learned something from the couple of games that they had towards the end of this last year when they had, when they had offered free tickets to the college students that were nearby with their college ID. I think they learned some things from those couple of games that they transferred into this Phoenix Rising U-Pass. And I think, like I said, great idea by the front office. I mean, you know, granted, it's college kids. They want to have fun on a Saturday night. You know, hey, it's there for them. You know, it's not far from campus for at least for the ASU kids. It's not even that far for the Grand Canyon kids. It's only 10 or 15 minute drive, you know, for the Grand Canyon kids, which is great, you know. And community college students, too. Yeah, yeah what a, I mean, what a better way, what a better way to promote your game than to to the, the youth that are out there. I mean, it's just, it's great. I love seeing what this front office comes up with a great new idea. It seems like every couple of months, you know, doll, you know, Last, last year it was dollar beer night towards the end of the year it was the college it was the free college night this year now it's the it's the U pass I mean I think you know I still think we're gonna we still are gonna see things coming even a month or two into the season that you know the the front office is gonna look at hey we need to take advantage of this key element boom there you go they're gonna do it Sam door uh, you know right down the list Joey Castor, and I know Burke is, is, is definitely way on top of this list. Brett Johnson is up there. You know, those those guys are great minds, great, great minds, and, and you can't ask for anything better. Definitely not. So I think that's going to do it for small team news. One other thing when we were talking about the team schedules, there was also conference realignment, and – now there are going to be 17 teams in the Western Conference. You have Whitecaps 2 coming out. You have Fresno and Las Vegas coming in. The 17th team was one that actually surprised a lot of people around the league. And that would be St. Louis FC. What are your thoughts on St. Louis having to move to the Western Conference once again? You know, I, I get it. I, you know, I get it for the, for the balance purposes. You know, I'm not... It doesn't bother me too much, to be honest. I think, you know, like you said, they're right on the cusp. You know, they could go either way. They could go in the east. They could go in the west. I'm not worried about it. It would be nice to see them in a home-and-home match this year. You know, uh, always were a tough – they were a tough team in the east. So I would expect the same thing as they come over to the west. You know, um, you know, you hate to see Vancouver leave. Yeah. You hate to see when you go, you know, when you go east in, into the Eastern Conference. You hate to see Orlando leave. Obviously, we all know the situation in Rochester, you know, that that went down. And shame to see them fold up for a year, but I'm sure they'll be back. 
maybe they'll come back in USLD3 in 2019, who knows. But, uh, you know, all signs are, are continually pointing in the same direction that in 2019 we're going to have a three-division alignment. And, you know, it, when you add Memphis into the mix that's coming in that was announced earlier this week that'll be coming in in 2019, when you've got, uh, you know, you got Birmingham that's talking about coming in, LA, you know, who knows who LAFC is going to be realized. Well, they already have Orange County. Right. You know, but they may, who knows, they may go in a different direction even after one year with that. So, who, you know, you know, I, I think the, the, the options are endless, but I think by 2019 you'll definitely see a three-division three, or a three-conference alignment. Right, and that's all fair. That's all, I mean, I think you're going to be looking at at least 36 teams by 2019, which necessitates uh, three division alignment, I think it would actually work out really well as far as the schedule is concerned because you could just do, you know, potentially three matches against every team in your division and then just a couple additional matches outside of that. But I still don't see any need for St. Louis to be switched to the Western Conference. If they stay in the East, there's 17 teams in the East, 16 teams in the West. So either way, you're going to have one conference with one more team than the other. Big deal. And I understand that most of the teams that are coming into the league in 2019 under the current alignment would be Eastern Conference as opposed to West. So there's some, you know, maybe there's going to be imbalance. But I don't even think that any of that matters because if what you believe to be true, if what most people believe to be true actually happens, there are going to be three divisions anyways. And St. Louis will probably be in the Central Division with Indy 11, with a couple of the teams from the Western Conference, with the Tulsa's, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, but with probably Cincinnati as well, and potentially Memphis. So a lot of the rivals that they've already established, I don't see any need to break all of those up this season. Because no matter how you slice it or dice it, there's going to be 17 in one conference, 16 in another. And if you look at it from our standpoint, just a self-interested standpoint, it's one more team that we're going to have to fight with for a playoff berth. So no, that is that is true. You know, when you when you put it that way, that is true. You know, that makes it a little bit tougher. You know, but you know, I think Phoenix Rising is up for the challenge. I think everybody everybody looks at Phoenix Rising right now as one of those teams that you know are in that upper echelon of teams in the conference I don't think you can shy away from that fact anymore especially the way they played the end of the season uh you know took Swole Park to 120 minutes and then some you know in the playoffs so I you know I I think we've got people's attention obviously you know for we're all gonna say Didier Drogba is definitely the name you know that draws everybody in this Western Conference and yeah, after this year, he's going to be gone. He's going to be up in the owner's box. And, you know, we'll still have the players to, around to play. I mean, you know, that's not even a concern. You know, you know, Drogba's got it. Drogba's going to put his stamp on this club, and you're already seeing it not only with the hiring of Patrice Cargrove, but with Patrice bringing all of his, his players over from Ghana that he knows and he trusts and that, you know, they're important role players. I, you know, Bring them on. That's what I say. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you look at it that way, I don't really see St. Louis being too much of a threat to us in the standings. I guess, although they have made quite a bit of offseason moves, which we'll get to later, but I think more of just looking at it from the fans' perspective. I read an article from the St. Luligans. Uh, that's their their big supporters group, and they were they were breaking it down so that I think last season they had four road trips within a reasonable driving distance, like four or five hours. I think it was um, they could go to Cincinnati, they could go to Louisville, they could go to well maybe maybe not maybe not last year. Last year they had Cincinnati, they had Louisville, probably one or two other ones that I'm just blanking on right now. Um, but they would have had Indy 11 in addition, and they could have been looking at Nashville this year as well. Those would have been four road trips within five hours, a reasonable driving distance. Now they only have one. The only team that is a doable, realistic day trip is Kansas City, which I think is four hours. And really, it's not even an independent club. It's it's Swope KC's, or it's, it's Sporting KC's smaller club. So you're still going to go for the match. But I don't think you build the same fervor in those kind of rivalries when you're playing against an MLS developmental side. You kind of see that with Phoenix. We don't really consider Los Dos one of our big rivalries. We don't really consider Orange County. I mean, we don't like them, but I wouldn't say that they're one of the two or three teams that gets our blood really boiling. So that's kind of a tough deal for St. Louis fans. But I'm sure that you can find a lot more about that on their podcast we should probably move forward with ours. So, we're I, I'm telling you, we are almost to the segment where we go through what some of the other teams around the league have done this offseason. But before that, wanted to get to some Twitter comments that you guys have made. What you guys are hoping we get with the schedule that will be released this week. So, we'll go through these really quick. Maybe get your takes on it, Jeff. Um, so, I mean, my comments were, you know, this is before even the first two matches were announced. I was hoping we could open up at Las Vegas, hoping we could open at home against Swope, you know, still hoping we get an Eastern Conference match against Louisville, Cincy, or Indy, or Indy, um, and then maybe an early season away to Real Salt Lake or Colorado Springs. Maybe there could be a crazy weather game. Those, I think that would just be fun to watch. Um, Jer- at Jared AFC says, I want a home slash away with Nashville. We told him you can't play any Eastern teams twice. Better hope it's a home match then. And he says, okay, then let's bring him here. Pat Moses at Goalie Man. Pat says, if Las Vegas Lights FC is a midweek match away, I will have harsh words for the schedule maker. Definitely on board with that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, I would be on board with that too because there's no fun in a mid, no fun in a midweek game in Vegas. I mean, none of us are going at that point. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the case. Um, we have the vibe at Justin Vibs, regular commenter, so appreciate that again. I'm excited for LV Lights FC away, and I think we are all going to show up big for that one road trip! Exclamation point. That actually is going to be the shortest road trip for Phoenix fans this season. If you think about it, Orange County and Carson, those are both about six-hour drives. Las Vegas, you can do it 
five hours, maybe even four and a half if you're really putting the pedal to the metal. Another comment, Pedro Gomez at the guy in the G. Less Orange County slash LA games, more San Antonio games, and a couple Las Vegas Fresno games. I don't know about the San Antonio part, but you're definitely going to get a couple Las Vegas Fresno games. And we'll see about the OCLA. Maybe we'll only play those teams home and home instead of getting a third match with those two. Chris Bach at CBAJC. No big breaks, then eight matches in September. That could be very likely. Uh, Sam, when I talked to him back in January, said off the record. Um, but I mean, not in the interview, but he was kind of thinking that we would get a better schedule than last year. And last year we had a lot of matches in September. We're definitely not going to get a ton of matches during the summer. I can't imagine that. So it is possible we could get eight in September. Um, and then Joseph Lowry at Joe and Cleats. Definitely want a game against FC Cincinnati or Louisville. A rematch against Swill Park at home this time is near the top of the list as well. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, you look at the schedule the way it's going to set up. 16, you know, obviously... 16 opponents in the West. You double that, that's 32 games of the 34-game schedule. You're trying to figure out where the other two games are going to lie. You would think if the league is thinking smartly and they're thinking cost-effectiveness, you're going to try to to make those last two games doable, you know, home-away type things for the, you know, for the, for the teams. You hope for a third Vegas game. You hope for, you know, a third OC game, maybe a third LA game. San Antonio. San Antonio could be a possibility. Our uh, RSL could be a, pars- a possibility for a third game. So, you know, you've got all of those options available around you that aren't too far of a trip. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see when the schedule comes out this week which way they decide to go. And another interesting aspect, last year it worked out so that there was just the right amount of teams where if you played everyone in conference, you still had to have one out-of-conference, you know, interleague game each week because it was 15 for each conference. So you had to have one each week, and each team would have one of those in a season. It might not work out that way this year. They might opt to not have any interleague play, and I think a lot of people would be bummed by that. But again, if you're looking at it from, you know, cost standpoint maybe saves the teams a few bucks. What's your take? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. You know, I, I think it would be a kind of a bummer to, to not see some of those games. I mean, you know, you'd love to see an FC Cincinnati come here. You'd love to see an Indy 11 come here. You'd love to see a Nashville come this way. You know, th- those types of things you'd love to see, you know. But like you said, you know, the way the conference is now setting up, you know, even when you think about it, somebody's going to be sitting out every single week because – you know, you've got an unbalanced number of teams. you got 33 teams instead of 32. So, you know, somebody's sitting every week. So, you know, obviously they'll find ways creatively to, to even bounce that into the schedule, you know, with 34 and 31. So, you know, um, I, you know, we, we can sit here and, and, and go around the – the horn so many times as to why we lost to Toronto FC two last year and how that killed us when it came to the final standings. So, you know, to the purist that says, well, we just want to be involved in the, 
you know, we want the conference standings to make the to make the matter. Well, here's your opportunity now because obviously you're gonna you're gonna have that ability. Right, and this will all be a moot point in a few days because USL has made it very clear they will be releasing the schedule this week. I could potentially see a Tuesday announcement, uh, so keep your eyes open on that. Otherwise, maybe Thursday or Friday would be more likely. But I think that's enough for that. And then uh, there was one last comment that's actually going to be a great transition into our next segment. And this one came again from just at Justin Vibs. Based on the Reddit thread in RUSL Pro, what are your season predictions for Phoenix and as well as league-wide? Maybe even some Open Cup predictions if you feel adventurous. And so, in our last episode, we went through all of the off-season additions that Phoenix Rising has made. Uh, if you want to go see those, you can definitely find it on the Phoenix Rising FC website. But it's a lot of names, so we'll spare you that. What we wanted to do is go through some of the Western Conference teams and just look at one or two key additions and, sub and subtractions for each Western Conference team this season. If you want the Eastern Conference, I'm sorry, man. You're out of luck. Go find another show for that because we have a limited amount of time. So, Jeff, do you want to go through this in alphabetical order? Yeah. Yeah, let's go through this in alphabetical order as far as, you know, from, from the Western Conference. Let's start with Colorado Springs. Uh, not really a lot of players that they're gonna they're losing out that, that made a difference. Obviously, the two biggest signings, you know, for Colorado Springs coming back in 2018, Luke Burke alone, the great midfielder, uh, Jordan Burke, great defender. Uh, those two guys are going to be definitely uh, huge assets for the club. Uh, it's nice to see that they signed, uh, they re-signed Toby Uzo, the, the brother of uh, former Phoenix Rising player, uh, uh, Uchana Uzo. So, you know, great, great to see that sign come through uh, for them. I think one... One other one that might be interesting there, Moise Puati. He had a couple strong games for Colorado Springs last year. He was statistically one of the better keepers. So it's going to be nice for them to have him come back. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, move on to LA Galaxy. Quite quite some interesting names here for, for LA Galaxy. Uh, Rio Fuji, option decline, which is which is very surprising. I thought I thought Fuji was, was one of... Uh, LA's better players this last year. Um, another player that that uh, not not re-signed was uh, Alejandro Corab Covarubias. He started, you know, playing well as the season kind of came down towards the end. Uh, you know, sorry to see him not picked up, but they did re-sign Adonis Amaya, who was a a, a real big. Uh, addition for them later on in the season uh, made some some really big strides with the club, and I'm, uh, it was good to see them resign him for the upcoming season. Yeah, but what the limited number of incoming signings tells me is this is going to be a very developmental side again. Probably going to be one of the bottom teams in the Western Conference. The fact that the only guys that are in on that list are guys that had their option picked up or got resigned. Maybe they'll make some some new announcements in the coming weeks, but it's going to be a pretty developmental side if that's any indicator. And when we get to uh, Rail Monarchs, you'll see a difference there. That's a USL de developmental side. 
that actually has gone out and brought some guys from other clubs. Yeah, definitely. So we'll move on to OKC Energy FC. Obviously, like we talked about earlier on the show, the biggest to me the biggest change in the offseason for them is losing Jimmy Nielsen as a coach. But definitely a big move is losing uh, Michael Daly to Fresno FC. That's a great pickup by Fresno FC to get Michael Daly, a uh, strong defender, um, great on the ball. I mean, he played well in Sacramento before he went to Oklahoma City. You know, so that is obviously a huge uh, uh, loss for them. But re-signing Miguel Gonzalez, that's a huge re-signing. Juan Pablo Guzman was a great player for them. Jose Angulo re-signed with them. All three of those great players. I, you go down this list, you know, Kyle Hyland, Philip Rasmussen. Jose Barrio. Jose Barrio. I mean, great players that they had last year. So obviously they're going to have a lot of familiarity, uh, you know, like they did last year. And Callum Ross, an interesting name. He was getting a lot of playing time for Charlotte. Maybe he'll get into the rotation. It looks like they're going to have some depth this year. So we will see how that goes. Yeah, it does. Uh, for Orange County, obviously, we talked about the big signing of Christian Duke moving over from Swamp Park Rangers you know, to Orange County. Uh, yeah, another interesting thing, Zach, Zach Kobayashi was re-signed by, by Orange County. So that was, a, that was definitely an interesting move. And Richard Chaplow. Another midfielder was re-signed. So they've, they've heavily gone on the midfield side so far. Uh, we'll see, you know, what other kinds of moves that they make in the, uh, the upcoming weeks. Yeah, not a lot of names there, but the quality of the names is pretty solid. And again, another one of those MLS2 teams. It'll be fascinating to see in the following weeks which guys we hear will be returning, which guys we don't hear anything out about, or they end up signing with new teams. Uh, not a lot of news out of uh, Portland uh, with the Timbers. Obviously, the coaching change there, you know, with, with uh, Porter being out, obviously that's that's a Caleb Porter being out is, is a huge blow to them. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm sure that's having a ripple effect down through to the T2 team. So, obviously, like we said, with, you know, along with LA Galaxy 2, developmental side most likely again for 2018. You know, we'll see where where the season takes them. Then we get to Real Monarchs, and this is not going to be a developmental side. Led the league in points last year, and, I mean, you look at some of these names that are coming in. These are some very impressive names. Uh, they're keeping the nucleus of last year's squad. They're re-signing, they're uh, picking up Chandler Hoffman's option, Sebastian Velazquez's option. And then you get Conrad Pliwa from St. Louis FC. A couple guys from Charleston Battery. They got someone in from New York Cosmos. And a lot of players re-signed. And a couple guys are getting uh, their options declined. But more people coming in than out. They're not afraid to pick people up from other clubs. And actually, Taylor P. getting called up to Real Salt Lake. That's a big accomplishment for him. Yeah, along, along with Riggs Lennon as well. You know, Riggs came back from over in the English League, uh, you know, was trying to find his niche with the, with the main club, but didn't quite happen towards the end of last season. Uh, you know, got a little bit of time with, with uh, Real Monarchs. You know, yeah, his contract expired, but he is going back to the to the main club, so that's great to see for Riggs Lennon, obviously. A local product here from, from in town, so it's great to see that. 
You know, another name that kind of jumped out at me from Real, Real Monarchs is Kyle Kalinga. Uh, Kyle was a great defender, you know, last year. He, he was a tough player on the ball, and even in all three matches that we saw play against Salt Lake last year. Definitely, you know, a, a strong player on the ball. No doubt about it. So we should probably move to Reno. That's another team on the list. And they have a few guys going to the San Jose Earthquakes. Chris Weehan, Jimmy Ockford, and Luis Felipe Fernandez. Uh, they re-signed a bunch of guys from their team last year. And they even went out and got a couple guys from Eastern Conference sides. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, definitely interesting. I think one of the, the interesting... Two of the interesting signings, you know, that they picked up players from. Zach Carroll, previously with Orlando City B, he, you know, he was a good he was a good defender for them. But the, the name that really jumps out to me is Christian Tierra Jung from Tulsa Roughnecks. He was a tough guy to play here last year. I mean, if you remember the, the game in September, uh, the, the midweek game that they played against Tulsa, he caused a lot of trouble early in that game. Scored a goal within the first 20 minutes. Got Antoine Hoppenot resigns with him. You know, we we think Dane Kelly is still there. We have not heard anything official on Dane Kelly, but I would assume he's still with the club. I mean, you add that guy to the mix. I mean, granted, they're losing they're losing Chris Weehan. You know, obviously. A, that, that that may be a huge loss for them. I don't know if they can necessarily recover from that loss as much as they could recover from other losses. And I might actually disagree with you on Dane Kelly. I'm looking, and they, they re-signed two forwards that were on the roster last year. They picked up Victor Pelé, who was a free agent. They also brought in forwards from Tulsa Roughnecks, Tierjung, and Mark Anthony Gonzalez, who was with Swope. And then they re-signed Antoine Hoppenot. So that's at least six forwards already on the roster. And if they're making all of that moves, what does it tell you about what they think about Kelly actually coming back? I mean, this could all be just a little bit of conspiracy thoughts, but it does make me scratch my head because how can they go into the season with six forwards and Dane Kelly? Yeah. Or maybe are we seeing you know, a, a position shift for Dane Kelly, possibly. I'd hate to see that, being that the reigning MVP of the league, who scored, you know, what was it, 17 goals, I think it was last year, 18 goals, something like that. I mean, just, un, you know, just unreal. Uh, yeah, I'd hate to see him out of a contract completely. I mean, that would just that would just be shocking to me. Definitely. I'm sure he'll find a landing spot. The only question is, will it be in Reno or elsewhere? Yeah, exactly. So we'll move on. Uh, Rio Grande Valley, you know, lost a couple of players. They lost Eric Bird to the main club. Lost Ivan Malgahees to Tampa Bay. Have They have not signed anybody in yet, so obviously Houston is taking their time looking at players, you know, to, to decide who to bring in. So, you know, they're kind of a – I'm not sure how you would classify them. I mean – 
granted they're under the they're under the Houston banner, you know, but they were trying to go at it, you know, you know, in a way that that they were trying to operate somewhat similar to the way Real Monarchs did. For some reason, it seemed like the switch got flipped midway through the season, and all of a sudden it just became developmental. You know, I don't know. I, you know, you go from third place to down to fifteenth in the standings. You know, from one year to the next, that just kind of just shocked. Well, they didn't go that far down. There was Los Dos and Timbers too, right? And Whitecaps too. Even, even to drop that far in the state, so so maybe thirteenth, you know, twelfth or thirteenth. But even to drop down that far from third the previous year, it just something screams that something in the system was not right. And, and hopefully, you know, they get it turned around this season. Yeah, I. You know, with that kind of a, you know, only two players outgoing, none in, I have to assume that they're outside the playoff picture, and I have to assume that they're going to be mostly developmental unless I see otherwise. That's that's my two cents. Yeah. A team that's a lot that's a lot more interesting to talk about, Sacramento Republic. Yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of changes here. Uh, losing Augustin's Cazares to Fresno FC, that that's a big move. What an even bigger move. But this is a this is an understandable move, I think, in my opinion. Evan Newton goes to FC Cincinnati. I remember FC Cincinnati has lost, had lost uh, Mitch Hildebrand to Atlanta United and MLS. Then uh, Dallas J comes and signs over here, you know, with Phoenix Rising. So now, you know, FC Cincinnati was left without a goalkeeper. I think this is a great move for Evan Newton to move over there. I mean, Evan is one of the you know the stalwarts of this league. Uh, you know, he started, you know, he started here in Phoenix, you know, went to Oklahoma City, he's been in Sacramento. I mean, you know, I, I think I think FC Cincinnati's great, getting a great goalkeeper in Evan Newton. Um, you know, but coming back, Wilson Michaud is a great option pickup with them. They they brought back Cameron Iwasa. I, I will tell you the number of stories that I saw uh on, on Indomitable City Soccer, which is the Sac, which is the Sacramento Republic's uh, uh, site for, for stories, uh, you know they were they were up and down with with Cameron Iwasa before, uh, you know before he left. A lot of people were glad he left, and it's it's interesting to see how the, the mixed opinions have come back on him now that he's resigned in Sacramento. Um, and then the other really interesting move that, that kind of caught my eyes. Jaime Villarreal from LA Galaxy uh, signed with, with Sacramento. That'll be a good move. Definitely. That was one of the Galaxy's better players. Uh, certainly when he was down with Los Dos, one of their better players, a regular in their starting 11. Uh, moving to our newest member of the Western Conference, St. Louis FC. They didn't lose too many guys. They lost Conrad Pliwa to Real Monarchs. That's one of the guys that we actually mentioned earlier. But they have a ton of guys coming in. And yes, a lot of these are option pickups. But they really went all around the league and made an ambitious effort to become a more competitive team, bring in a lot of players from around the league and even from other from other leagues. A couple guys from Puerto Rico FC, from NASL. I mean, it's it's a big list. You have Tomas Gomez from Rochester at goalie. Corey Herzog, who was a big-time scorer 
Uh, not so much with the Riverhounds, but uh, certainly before that, he had been a big-time goal scorer. Sam Fink, one of the people that left Orange County, uh, Oklahoma City. And former Arizona United uh, player Kadeem Bakers, who uh, was playing with FC Cincinnati last year, uh, signed in St. Louis. So it'll be great to see uh, see another former uh, former player come back uh, into the conference and get to see him a couple of times throughout the season. Right. Very interesting list of guys. So will it translate into better success on the pitch? I don't know. But I would expect St. Louis to be one of those teams towards the bottom few playoff spots or maybe the first couple out. I expect them to be right around that playoff bubble, uh, which is not too far from where they were last year. Uh, another team, San Antonio FC. Yeah. So San Antonio FC. We move on to San Antonio. I mean, obviously everybody knows Devin Vegas here, Billy Forbes is here. Those are obviously the two biggest players out in San, San Antonio. But obviously making a, a huge re-signing of a lot of players uh, coming back. Diego Restrepo, one of the top goalkeepers of the league. Matt Cardone, his backup is, is, is there. Cesar Elizondo, Everett Guzman, Cyprian Hedrick. Mike Seth re-signed. So, I mean, you know, they brought a, a lot of the bulk of their club from 2017 back, which is great to see. I mean, I, you know, there's no reason why not to if they were so successful finishing in the top three like they did. You and know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But obviously, you know, it's always going to be like we say. Can the defense do it for them? And can they finally score enough goals to do it? We've always, we've always had that struggle with San Antonio, haven't we? That certainly was the case uh, last season and the years before. One name that just jumped out for me, Jose Escalante, a midfielder, on loan from CD Olympia. That's one of the stronger sides in, in Costa Rica. And the reason I know that is because sometimes you see that club getting drawn against MLS sides and Liga MX sides in CONCACAF Champions League. I don't know how they pulled that off, but that's a very impressive signing. He might be a name that really gets into the starting 11 and makes a big difference because, I mean, coming from CD Olympia, even if he wasn't in their starting 11, that's a very high quality of play. Um, you know, they go regularly against some of the best teams in MLS and Liga MX. I would imagine that he's been playing against guys you know, maybe a lower MLS, a lower Liga MX caliber, but that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that is that is very impressive. So I mean, uh, that'll definitely be a big help to them. Maybe that's that's the guy that they'll key on uh, to be the the uh, you know for Phil, for Billy coming in for Billy Forbes. Well, it's all quiet on the Sounders two front, no one out or in, so. I mean, if you're if you're a uh, Sounders fan, I can't imagine you're really having any expectations for playoffs. Swope Park Rangers, there's a lot more to talk about here. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, we've talked about Christian Duke leaving, you know, to go to Orange County. We've talked about, uh, uh, you know, some other guys. Uh, Lebo Malono is an interesting signing going to, going to uh, Nashville SC. Mark Anthony Gonzalez's contract was not ex extended, so that was kind of a surprise uh, move on that end. Um, Mateus Silva, an interesting in 
for Swope Park Rangers. You know, if everybody knows the story of what happened to Mateus Silva last year, uh, you know, around the 4th of July holiday, uh, the team went out, you know, on Lake Tahoe and, and Silva, for whatever reason, it, it was cold in the water and, and Silva had, had some issues trying to get back to shore and, and spent some time in hospital. And, you know, great to see him come back. I mean, obviously he didn't play anymore during the 2017 season. You can understand why San, you know, San Jose probably didn't pick up his contract, but, you know, to see some, excuse me, somebody like a Swope Park Rangers give this guy another chance. It's just, that's great to see. You know, I, I hope nothing but the best for, for Mateus because, you know, he definitely deserves it. Right. And, and just to clarify, he was getting regular time with Reno 1868 last, last season. They're the developmental side, or at least they have a partnership with San Jose Earthquakes. So that explains that connection. They went out and got a couple other guys, uh, Rodrigo Saravia who had some experience with the Columbus crew. They got someone from Jacksonville Armada, and they picked up the auction on Darren McCoy, who got a lot of time at goalie. So it looks like they're going to be competing again to get a third consecutive Western Conference championship. I think it would be stunning if they were able to pull that off, but they seem to find some, uh, some streaks once it gets to the playoffs, and... I would expect them to at least make the playoffs once again. Yeah, I would expect them very easily to be making the playoffs. Uh, you know, they they definitely have the, the wherewithal in the club to do it. So Then we move on to uh, Tulsa Roughnecks FC. Uh, an interesting out for Tulsa. Uh, Ian Savantison, a great forward for them, moves on to Charleston Battery. Uh, definitely it's going to be an interesting move for them. Uh, we talked about Chris Sierjung moving already to Reno 1868. Juan Pablo Kafa moves to Fresno FC. That's an interesting move. That's 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 a pretty good group of guys right up the middle uh, that definitely did some damage for Tulsa that aren't coming back this year. Yeah, that's a that's a solid contingent of their starting lineup. I mean, usually at least three of those five outgoing players were in the starting eleven every week. Uh, fortunately for the Roughnecks, they did resign quite a few players, and you got to tip your cap to whoever was in the Chicago Fire Scouting Department. They got quite a few guys from uh, international places. Some guy from Malvinas, Argentinas, a Claudio Munoz, a defender from San Marcos de, de Arica, and a Jean Perez from Defensor Sporting. Um, I have to think he is Brazilian. I'm not really sure where Munoz is from, but they got a few guys from South America, and maybe they will be making the fire roster at some point. But in the meantime, good pickups for Tulsa. Yeah, and I know the key signing for them, Fabian Serta coming back in net for them, is definitely, definitely a huge re-signing for them as well. So now we move on to the new teams that are moving in this year. And we obviously talked about some of these guys moving in with Fresno. Um, you know, we talked about Mickey Daly moving in. Uh, we talked about, uh, we just talked about Juan Pablo Kafa moving in. Um, but obviously, you know, they're making some moves, picking up guys from Vancouver, Sean Melvin, Matthew Baldissimo, Taryn Campbell. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, <coughs> 
Fresno is going to kind of partner with Vancouver Whitecaps as far as talent goes, so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the, the Whitecaps FC2 players uh, showing up in, in their listing. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. Obviously, we wish, uh, you know, former coach Frank Yallop all the best of luck as he uh, gets that club going in Fresno. Uh, it'll be great to see them start this year. Uh, we don't hope for too much success because obviously we, we, we want to show them who's, who's better in the West. But obviously, you know, Frank's done his homework and he knows the players in this league, so it doesn't surprise me. You know the list that you see in front of you that, that he's, he's making a splash right away and that's really encouraging to see as a usl fan you want to see expansion teams that are coming in looking to make a impact make a splash and really be part of the competitive fabric on day one so you like to see a team that goes out and gets 10 guys because you know that that's going to be a matchup you're actually looking forward to before anyone even kicks the ball it's got to be the same way people were thinking about Phoenix Rising even before we signed Drogba last year. Wow, they're actually going out. They're getting Sean Wright Phillips. They're getting Bravo. This isn't the same old Arizona United now. This is a team that we want to go see. And so that bodes really well for Fresno. And then as far as getting fan interest and getting tickets sold, that's fantastic. I think this team is going to be a big hit because Fresno is really a college town and there's not too much else going on other than maybe AAA baseball. So much like Reno, there is potential for this to be an explosive first season. And actually, I like Fresno to maybe surprise some people and be this year's Reno and make the playoffs. Yeah, they, they could very well do that. I mean, Frank, Frank knows the talent that it takes to get to that level. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt one bit that you know, he'll take his staff shape it the way he wants to and gets that team maybe he is fighting for that seven eight playoff spot at the end of the season so the last team in the west we need to talk about that we can't talk about is the las vegas lights fc because they haven't signed anybody yet but there have been reports on the internet that this week may be a big week as far as as far as las vegas goes because they have been they have been teasing on their side about signings that they were going to make a, a boatload of announcements coming up. Uh, they had a, I remember late last week, they had a picture uh, of some guys blacked out standing in front of the, uh, the Visit Las Vegas sign. So, you know, I think it sounds like they're ready to start making a splash. So could we see some names that we haven't even talked about yet that could be making their way to Las Vegas? That's a very good possibility. I say yes, and I'm going to go one step farther. I think one of the Phoenix Rising players uh, is going to be one of those early names signed by Las Vegas. The two guys that come to mind are Luke Rooney, because we have so many guys in midfield, and uh, our, our keeper last year, who was so good for us, Josh Cohen. You know, the reason I think Cohen could be a potential signee is we already have three players now signed to the goalkeeper spot. We have Carl coming back. Dallas J, as you mentioned, and John Burner from St. Louis. There's no way we can go into a season with four people fighting for those spots. And Las Vegas is going to need someone stable at the back. He's moved around in the western area before he was at Orange County, before coming to us. So I could see that being a big possibility. It would be tough for Vegas to get 
much better at that position. And then Rooney, it's because we have so many midfielders. Now you even have Asante coming in this offseason, Devin Vega, a couple other players. In addition to all the guys we already have, Kevon Lambert, Rigi, uh, potentially Sean Wright Phillips, it's going to be a logjam, and that's why I think those two guys are names to look out for. Yeah, those definitely could be some interesting names. And, and like we've talked about, could Dane Kelly be one of those signings? It's a possibility, but we don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see, you know. But you got to figure you got to figure Las Vegas is going to make a splash. That's what the city's all about. I mean, let's let's go back to what's happened recently. You got a, you got a professional hockey team sitting in that building. In three years, you're going to have an NFL football team. You just brought over the WNBA team uh, from Detroit that's now going to be playing in Vegas. Now you're adding USL soccer into the mix. Obviously, that, that town is hopping. You know, and just like maybe Phoenix was 15 or 20 years ago when it was a hotbed of people want to come here because it's fun in the sun. Well, now you got Las Vegas. You know, just as much fun in the sun uh, uh, there. You know, short drive away. Yeah, it's a city that's becoming more than just the Strip. The downtown area, the Fremont area, has really developed. Uh, one of the fastest growing cities and. It would be an incredible way to get that Reno Las Vegas rivalry going, if Dane if Dane Kelly signed with the Las Vegas Lights. Yeah, especially since the two of them are playing on the opening week, that'll definitely be an interesting one of those interesting first week matches to watch. Is is the uh, the the Nevada rivalry get started right away? And I thought it was interesting. I saw a tweet earlier this week. Uh, Governor Brian Sandoval from Nevada uh, was was talking about the matchup and of course what what would happen to appear around his neck but reno 1868 fc's uh, uh scarf so that that kind of drew the uh, the las vegas lights fire a little bit saying hey 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 governor how, how would you like to come uh partake in the opening match here in vegas hey governor where are most of your constituents at <laughs> you want to get reelected? <laughs> well i think we've gotten through all the important transfers so far out of the Western Conference. So now shifting gears, going back to that question that uh, Justin set up for us. Who do you think some of the top teams in the West are? Who do you think some of the teams will be that are towards the bottom? And, you know, maybe a couple surprises. Well, I don't think you can stray very far away from where the top five or six teams were last year. I mean... Real Monarchs has definitely bolstered its roster a little bit. San Antonio has has kept the, the, the core of its roster together. Phoenix has kept the core of its roster together. Uh, you know, uh, Sporting KC is right up there. You know, I think you got to lay you know you got to label the top five teams that, that were there in the West last year, and even Reno. You know, I I think you you've got to consider them all in the mix right now. Obviously, we think you know we think the bottom teams right now are most likely going to be those MLS two clubs, LA Galaxy, uh, possibly Rio Grande Valley, Seattle, Portland. You know, you, you you hate to say that, but you're not seeing excuse me, you're not seeing much action out of them. So I mean, how else can you look at them? But look at them as de developmentally that way. I think what the, the, the where the 
interesting parts may lies. You know, you're looking at a Sacramento, a Tulsa, an OKC. You're going to look at a Fresno. You're going to look at a Las Vegas. I mean, those teams, I mean, we don't even know how St. Louis even, you know, slots into this Western Conference, you know, being that they played so many teams in the East last year. You know, the Western Conference was obviously the tougher conference, considering that where Phoenix Rising finished in the standings, if they finished fifth in the West, they would have finished second in the East with the point total they had. So, you know, you really don't see, you know, where is St. Louis going to slot in all this? It's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I, I think you can kind of get a handle as to where, you know, where things are going to play out in the West, you know, unless something major happens where a team would have a couple of major injuries that causes that causes them to, to make some serious changes. I, I don't think you stray very much from where most of the standings were last year. That's a fair take. I think most of the teams towards the top are continuing to be ambitious, and so they'll still rack up some points and at the very least make the playoffs. A couple teams I see, there's one team that made the playoffs last year that I think is a surefire candidate to not make it this upcoming year. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I know that there are some good fans out there in Tulsa. I know they were a feel-good story of the league last season. But you look at all the players leaving, Savantson, Kimura, Bourgeois, Tierjung, and Kafa. Those were some crucial pieces to their team last year. A team that didn't really make it with a ton of breathing room anyways. Now you're going to say, let's throw all these people out. Try to bring in new people. And at the same time, compete with two new expansion teams. One team that's a lot more ambitious this year in St. Louis. And, you know, this is going to be such a hyper-competitive Western Conference. Once you throw those bottom three or four teams out the window, I mean... I think we're in agreement there's going to be some sort of order of like Seattle, Portland, and Los Dos towards the bottom. But after that, I mean, once you get from the top four or five, it's a crapshoot. I could see Reno going down a couple spots, especially if the Dane Kelly rumors are to be believed. They had such an incredible team last year scoring goals, but it's really impossible to bring that scoring rate into 2018. I mean, you can try to emulate it, but there's no way that they're going to be able to score that many goals. And I could see them falling a peg or two. A team I like to move back up the standings is Sacramento Republic. Last year, a pretty disappointing finish for them to finish in 8th place in the Western Conference. But they did get a first-round upset, and they did give Swope a very tough match in the second round. I think that's going to be a team... They get so many fans there. They made some big signings this offseason. And I would expect them to be back in the top four. For me, the toughest teams for Phoenix to overcome this season to win the West are probably going to be San Antonio, Sacramento, Rail Monarchs. And I still I still don't like my chances with a Reno or a Swope in the playoffs. I think those are the teams that are going to be tricky and I, I do kind of like Fresno to surprise some people and sneak in towards the back of the playoff chase. Yeah, I, I think, think they definitely have a chance of sneaking in there. Um, you know, I think the, I, I think obviously the crapshoot now is not to, not to be um, to be literal about it, but, uh, you know, where does Las Vegas fit into all this? I think it's just going to depend on how these signings shake out to start the season. I mean, 
we really don't know what this club is going to look like, you know, if they if they do get certain players and certain elements of that club. You get a Josh Cohen in that net, I mean, he did a lot of amazing things for this club. I think he could do a lot of amazing things for that club as well, and definitely he, they could turn some heads possibly. Yeah, and it's, it's – uh it's a real testament to how balanced the Western Conference is outside of those bottom three or four teams. You can probably throw RGV into that mix of teams that really don't have playoff aspirations. But, I mean, what do you say to, like, a Colorado Springs fan who, in the early years of USL, was a stalwart in the playoffs towards the top of the conference? I mean, they're still trying to win games. They're still making signings. But how do they even make it in the top eight with all of these other teams making some ambitious moves? How does Orange County get into the top eight? I mean, they're a team with ambition too. They went and got Christian Duke. But you have three new teams coming in. You have St. Louis bringing in all these new players. It's absolutely going to be a bloodbath once you get past those first four or five spots. And hopefully, you know, from a neutral perspective, it comes down to the last day. We're nowhere near the quagmire at the bottom. And we get to watch it all with popcorn in our hands. Yeah. Yeah, definitely would be nice to see, you know, that we're, that we're firm and solidified in a playoff spot, maybe, you know, in one of those hosting playoff spots, you know, and just watching to see who, who we might play and, and make it a little bit easier on us. And I guess the very last question, even though we've kind of mentioned it before, now that we've had some time to allow our signings to sink in, what do you think are appropriate expectations for Phoenix Rising this year? Well, I don't, I don't think you can be too optimistic of not hoping for a top four. I think I think top four is definitely achievable with this club. I mean, we've signed all the we've all, we've re-signed all the key elements that we thought we needed to re-sign. We've added a couple of very good pieces to this club. You know, with the addition of Billy Forbes, you know, huge. Uh, uh, obviously, adding adding our defense in the back. You know. I don't think top four is not asking too much of this club, obviously. Now, you know, the other question that they asked beforehand is, okay, what do you think about the Open Cup? It'll be interesting to see how Patrice goes into that, you know. You know, obviously I know he's, he's had, you know, cup uh, tournaments in Africa when he was coaching over there, so I'm sure he knows how to handle you know, all of that stuff, you know, I, I think it's more of a matter of getting the players motivated, you know, now at this point, it'll be interesting now that you don't have the NASL teams in the mix, okay, now you're playing uh, either a PDL team or a USL team in round two, and probably another USL or PDL team in round three before you get to, uh, you know, the team's you know that come in from MLS in round four, so you know it'll be it'll be interesting how it all shakes out. Um, but I think you know if you're talking realistically with the Open Cup, I think you've got to at least get to the round of, of MLS. I mean, you've been there once. You know, the club's been there once before and had a taste of it. You've got the talent to be able to make it there. You just got to be able to put it all together. And I think it's also going to depend how it's, how the schedule shakes out as to who's playing at what time. And, Okay, do you do you rest players for the league match, and the league is a little bit more important than the Open Cup, or you know you always get those little questions you always ask. And, you know that that's going to take time to figure out. I think once the schedule finds its way 
to us. Of course. And, you know, going to that question, I actually love our chances to make a fourth or fifth round run this year because one thing that the team bolstered, even from when we were knocked out midseason last year, is to bring more guys in, add to the team depth. And that really made the difference in that match against San Francisco Deltas we lost because there were, you know, there were some guys that really did not see much playing time for us in the starting 11 in that match. And it showed maybe missing some chances we could have had. Uh, you go to the winning goal that San Francisco scored, just a pretty sloppy play in the back. I think this year we would love our chances to get through the third round, and I think it will be more of a priority. Last season was so tough with all the roster shuffling, the coaching drama early in the season. The focus was just, let's stay alive in the standings so that we have a chance as the season develops to make a push. So the focus was always on league. It was always going to be a bigger ask. Well, now you have a lot of team depth and you're going to have some very good players that don't make the starting 11 most weeks. And now you can turn to those guys and say, hey, Dallas J, go play an open cup match for us. Hey, Devin Vega, we want to see you play a full 90 minutes. Maybe you can show us something and get into that starting 11. You have such a higher quality of player that probably won't be starting regularly that you can call on for open cup. And, you know, it does depend on the fourth round seeding, but if we can get a home match in that fourth round, why not beat an MLS team? Exactly. So I think that's going to do it unless you had any final thoughts. No, I think, you know, it's now it's starting to become crunch time. Obviously, we're, we're three weeks away from, you know, a trialist match. We're, you know, four and a half, five weeks away now from the preseason getting here. I mean, obviously, you know, let's, let's remember playing MLS clubs that are getting ready for their season, we're getting ready for our season as well. You hope expectations are tempered. You would love to see results come out of these games, but obviously the the overarching you know theme for the preseason is let's get these guys in shape, let's get them ready. You know, results don't, you know, but we didn't win a single game in the preseason last year. And look at where we ended up the season, you know. So let's not dwell on results. Let's let's look at the effort that gets played on the field. Let's see that they're progressing in a way that makes it look like they'll be ready to go once the season starts. Would you like to get a win or maybe a draw against one of these MLS clubs? It'd be great. It'd be great to see. You know, great to see a 90-minute effort. It'll be, you know, give the fans you know something to be cheering about. So, you know, like I said, be tempered with the efforts, but enjoy the play that you see that comes up here. That's definitely the right outlook for preseason. And with that, I think we're going to transition to our interview with Pat Moses. Pat Moses has been a longtime member of La Furia Roja, which now is the Red Fury. We, or at least I was able to talk with him at an Arizona Impact match pretty recently. That's an indoor soccer team. They play up in North Phoenix. And we were able to chat about our expectations for the upcoming season, his thoughts on the change to Red Fury, his thoughts on Arizona Impact very briefly, Thoughts on St. Louis moving to the Western Conference and a couple other t- a couple other topics. So it'll be a very fun interview and we hope you enjoy it.
And we hope you guys enjoyed that interview. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week with the official schedule released, and we'll give you our thoughts on that. That sounds good. Everybody have a great week, and go Rising. Go Rising as always. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast, and today we have a special guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Dominic, my name is Patrick Moses. I'm a big fan of Rising here. And how far back does your involvement with the team go? Yeah, so we actually moved out here to Arizona uh, early 2015. Uh, we didn't make any matches back in 2015, but from 2016 on, I've uh, been to, to every home match. That's fantastic. So you were there back when they were playing in Peoria. Yeah, back in Peoria. Those were some days. Some days. Yeah. Uh, what was your what was your experience over the last 12 months seeing all the changes that have happened on and off the pitch? Uh, it's great. Uh, from what it was to what it's gone to in just 12 months, um, from, you know, just being a kind of a team with you didn't see too much going for it. Uh, it was a good, entertaining product, but you weren't sure where it's going to where it is now and the potential that is being shown by, you know, the ownership group, the players that have come in um, and what they're aspiring to do. It's just great. Absolutely. And I wanted your thoughts. You've been a member of La Furia Roja. They renamed themselves Red Fury. What are your thoughts on the whole rebrand? I think that's a, a great name change. Um, to me, when you say La Furia Roja, I immediately think, you know, the Spanish team um, and their fans. Red Fury just seems to fit, you know, us more. It's, you know, a little bit easier to say. Um, I just like that. And uh, the new logo is great as well. Who came up with the design for that logo? Yeah, so a couple of the leaderships in, in the group, um, they had a friend that uh, did that up for them. Um, he did a great job, in my opinion. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that. But let's move from that a little bit to some of the transitions uh, as far as the roster is concerned this offseason. What do you think about the additions that Phoenix Rising has made to the squad? Well, they definitely made it stronger than they are last year um, going forward. Uh, I believe the tech's going to be, you know, greatly improved from start to finish. Um, it was kind of lackluster at the beginning of the year before it picked up last season. Um, this year, if, if everybody meshes well, we should be firing from the start. Um, Forbes, I believe, is going to be the catalyst of that. Um, him playing off Drogba, um, I don't think many can stop that. You know, you throw Cortez in there too as an, an, a target kind of man guy. Um, that he can run off of. And then you got Rigi, um, Asante coming up behind as well. Um, and then haven't even mentioned Johnson yet, who led the team in goals. That's how improved I see the attack. Do you think there could potentially be any issues with the team chemistry? I mean, you look at the attack, you have so many people up there. You have Jason Johnson, Didier Drogba, Billy Forbes, who I know sometimes can play wing, Chris Cortez. Sometimes you can even play Rigi a little bit up there. Do you see that being an issue, or do you think Patrice Carterone will find a way to make it all work? I believe he should be able to make it work. Um, you look at last year, they didn't have as many attacking options. They still got everybody some minutes. Um, everybody got those minutes and at least performed as much as they could. They seem to have bought into what he's putting out for this team and how he wants them to play. Um, the guys coming in should do the same. Otherwise, I don't see them signing here if they're not buying into Patrice's system. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the guys, so let's say other than Billy Forbes, who are you most impressed with that's coming in this season? 
Uh, I'm really interested to see how Asante will do. Uh, he's another small stature guy. Um, whether his speed makes up for that small stature when you get him and, and Rigi, um, possibly Gladson and Waco, if all three of them are on the pitch at the same time, uh, they can cause some terror for some back line with their speed. I mean, but I think he has a chance to... Asante makes Rigi look like a giant. He's 5'1". He, <laughs> it's a small guy, but you know, you watch him, some of the highlights of him. He's 5'1", but he's still strong on the ball. He doesn't lose it too much. So if he can, you know, kind of hide behind those guys and sneak find a couple defenders, I see him possibly, you know, having a big impact. I think one of the things that everyone agreed upon after the end of last season that we need to improve is passing and just general possession of the ball. Do you think that can happen in 2018? I think it can. Uh, a big thing last year, I thought, was when Lambert came in. He really provided a good link up from the back line up to the attacking players. Um having him from the start is going to greatly increase that uh, the ball possession. I mean, they like to play more counter on the road anyway, um, but you saw the the difference he made going forward uh, in that transition from the second half of the season. So, you know, if you assume, I wouldn't even say best or worst, what do you think are reasonable expectations for Phoenix Rising in 2018? Uh, me personally, I'm seeing them top three in the conference uh, with the schedule probably being like it was last year where it's heavily tilted home early on. We can get some points early, get that jump onto the other teams um, and this right out the season. I see top three is, you know, barring a couple unforeseen injuries is should be the realistic goal uh, in conference finals. Uh, it's always tricky when it's a, a single elimination playoff. But conference finals and top three are my views of this team on paper right now. Who do you think are the biggest contenders in the West other than Phoenix Rising? Maybe to knock us out either down the standings or in the playoffs. Uh, two that I would see are San Antonio, even though they lost Forbes and Vega. San Antonio always seems to to be there. Um, Sacramento is going to be there and Swope probably is going to be there as well. They're usually pretty tough defensively. You think even without Carlton Belmore? I think they can, just because they, I think they'll be able to shut down people enough where they'll just kind of eke out those two one matches. A lot of those, okay. And then another team that kind of confused me last year, do you think Colorado Springs can make a make it up the standings and get potentially into that top four, top five? I don't see them making too much noise. Really? I wouldn't expect it. I mean, they're probably going to be a mid-table where they're going to you know, they could spoil some guys or some teams, you know, seedings towards the end. Um, I see them as mid-table. Okay. And before the season even kicks off, we have some fantastic preseason games. It was just announced that we're playing New York Red Bulls on February 10th. That, in addition to Colorado Rapids on Valentine's Day and, uh, I believe, Sporting KC on Saturday the 17th. Still a game to be announced on the 24th down in Tucson. Which match are you most looking forward to? I'm looking at that Red Bulls game. That's pretty much the premier MLS team of the, you know, the three that's been announced so far. Uh, granted, we don't know who's going to really be playing for the Red Bulls. They're still, when it comes to name alone, they're the biggest preseason team that we're going to play. I mean, some of the names you're thinking, Bradley Wright Phillips. Right. Do you think there's even a shot of a uh, Wright Phillips brother battle? Because there hasn't been any Phoenix rising word about SWP. It would be great if he got like a preseason trial to see if he, he wants to fit in and, and come back. Uh, it'd be great to see those two against each other. Yeah. I think everyone can agree there. So tonight you actually made it out to a different 
situation, though. We're here at the Arizona Impact game, and you said that you go with some some. Uh, I, I, it's going to take me some time to get used to this Red Fury people now. Yeah, the the announcement's fairly new. It's just uh, you know not even two weeks since we rebranded. So I, you myself, I caught myself saying La Fury Roja. But yeah, now uh, we're coming out the Red Fury. We're coming out to the Arizona Impact. Uh, we're catching their home games. It's it's great entertainment. We all have fun. Um, it's good play, and it's quick and fast. It's something different. We've never seen it. Uh, I advise everyone to come back out here and, and give it a look. And what about it is most interesting, that it's kind of a fusion between soccer and hockey, just the faster pace? Yeah, you got that, that mix of you know soccer and hockey where there's not too many whistles. When there is a whistle, it's usually back and play quick. You know, their ball really doesn't go out of play. Uh, you just It's nonstop action. Uh, they, they really keep it going. But it's still no substitute for Phoenix Rising during the season. Uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no understating that. It's it's a great entertainment. Um, it's good to tide us over, but I'm ready for that that season to start. And speaking of the season starting, we know our first two opponents now at Orange County on St. Patrick's Day, Saturday the 17th of March, and then a week later we open up against OKC Energy. What are your thoughts on those first two matches? Were you hoping we would get something better? I was hoping for a home that opener that that first week, uh, but you know it, it is how it is. I would love to see the team go down to OCSC and just lay it on them early. Uh, last year when we drew them three times, it really had an impact in the standings toward the end. When I feel we should have at least won two of those matches, I would love to see them go down there and just you know lay it on four nil to start the season. That seemed like the team we just could not get the monkey off our back with. I mean, every single one of those games, the first game we tied them 1-1 there, everyone says, oh, the Didier Drogba free kick at the end saved us. But really, if you watch that game, we were dominating most of the play. Very unlucky not to score. Even Omar Bravo came close. And then you go to the other one, we're up 1-0. You get the sketchy red card that turns the whole tide. And then at home, unbelievable back-to-back chances off the post, and it just can't creep in. I mean, that's a team I personally really want to see us just put a good whooping on. Yeah, they were they were tough. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Charlie Yon. He seems to always play good when he comes out here or where we travel against him. Um, he's a quality keeper. Like I said, the first match with the Drogba free kick at the end, they rising really controlled that match. In the first half, they could have had three. Uh, the, the red card one, like you mentioned, that really turned the game. I feel they still should have come out something with that match. And then the third one at home, it was just really, you know, midweek, lethargic. Really the only chance was that double post at the end. Right. And this is another interesting question. I actually haven't talked to too many people about this. Going back to the end of last season when we just dropped that heartbreaking penalty kick match, a lot of people, the overall reaction was still fantastic season. I totally agree. But the way it turned out, it looked like a missed opportunity because – as things shook out, we would have hosted Sacramento Republic, and then we could have even hosted the conference finals. But what What is your take from that game? Do you think it's just a unfortunate circumstance? With you know looking back, what the opportunity that that came had they won that match, I don't think Rising loses at home in the playoffs. If we would have got, we definitely would have had you know the following week as a home match. If we would have got the home match for the conference finals, you know then you're in the finals. Because I, I don't see them losing at home in the playoffs. They had way too much momentum. The team just plays so much better at home. I don't think they would have lost. I don't see it as opportunity lost. 
because they finished pretty much where they should have for how they started the season to when they picked it up. Uh, those couple matches where they lost, the, you know, points in the 90th minute back to back, they did end up hurting, but they finished pretty much where they should. So I can't see it as opportunity lost. That's a very fair take. Uh, and the further distance I have gotten from that actual game, that's more and more I agree with you. I think in the heat of the moment, you're just so frustrated that it was really right there. But you raised some great points. And it also brings us to another topic we had discussed off-air, which is wouldn't it be nice to have two-legged ties in the playoffs? That's, In my opinion, that's the only way any type of playoff should be done. Uh, with soccer is not a lot of scoring. One decision could just change the game more so than any other sports. To have it as a single elimination and and have the other team not have a chance at a home match, it just doesn't seem right to me in a playoff setting for soccer as a sport. You need to have those two-leg ties. Give everybody a home game. Uh, see where it goes over two legs to see what the better team is. And you compare it to Champions League knockout stages. You compare it to Liga MX, even the MLS playoffs leading up to the Cup. That's how it goes. It's two-legged ties. You can say the MLS has wild card matches at the beginning, but I don't think you can really be too upset about that because you still end up having two-legged ties in the conference semis and finals. I mean, do you think that this is something Jake Edwards looks at in the next 12 to 24 months? I think they have to. The, the more teams you add to the league, the more potential revenue you're going to have by having more games, more markets tuning in. If you have more playoff games, you're more likely to have those markets not involved tuning in. You know, the hardcore fans from each team will still watch the playoffs. You give them more games, you know, you're exposing the league more. Mm-hmm. And you'd mentioned before more teams coming into USL. In case anyone missed it, Fresno, Las Vegas, and St. Louis are joining the Western Conference this year. Vancouver, too, goes out. So 17 teams now. What are your thoughts on Las Vegas moving to the West? I think when that team was announced, every other supporter group in our conference jumped for joy because that became the primary match that if they're going to do a road trip, they're going to Vegas. I know uh, Austin Red Fury, we're looking forward to that match to going out there. I feel they will be pretty much the most away team represented team in USL this year because I feel everyone's going to go there when they get that chance. Oh, Las Vegas lights, absolutely. Do you think, I mean, no one knows. You'd hope that we get two away matches there, right? I'll take, I'll be happy with one as long as it's not a midweek match. You know, we want those matches on the weekend. Right. And then uh, kind of turning it though, I think there was a lot of surprise when it was announced at St. Louis is going to be part of the Western Conference. What's your overarching reaction there, that it's a chance to win some points or really more just what is USL doing separating them from a lot of their close rivals? Yeah, from a purely Phoenix Rising supporter standpoint, I love it because I see it as a possibility for, I'm not going to say easy points, but more matches we should win. Uh, St. Louis in their years really haven't shown much. I believe their highest finish was 12th in the, in the, in the conference. So from there, I see it as two points, uh, uh, you know, per match. For their fans, I feel bad for them. You know, you don't add in the logistics of having to go to the West Coast if you're having an away match. You know, you don't have your fans seeing the matches at a good time. I grew up in Michigan. I've been a long-time Red Wings fan. And for a long time, they were a team in the Eastern time zone, but they played in the West. 
So if they weren't playing at home, you know, they're playing at 9.30 at night, 10.30 at night. You're going to have the diehard fans watching no matter what. But will the casual fans that help you build a fan base going to stay up till 9.30, 10.30, watch a match? I don't believe so. I, I think the league was wrong in, in putting them in the, in the West. And I feel bad for their fans because that's, that's just unfortunate for them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any questions for me? Because I think I've gotten a lot out of you already. Thank you so much for stopping by, by the way. Yeah, I got one. Uh, other than, you know, the, the big names, you know, last year at the start, Jason Johnson, you know, we weren't expecting what we got from him at the end of the year. We knew he was a good player, but leading the team in goals, we really didn't see. Who other than the big names do you see making the biggest impact in this coming season or has the opportunity? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to give a couple. I think one is Amadou Dia. Dia had a great half of a season for us at left back, but he had some games at center back where he really he really showed that he needs more work at that position. I think with an off season, the fact that if there's one position we aren't too deep at, it would be the, de- the defense. And if anyone picks up an injury, he might be starting at center back. And so I think Amadou Dia can become a more complete player at both those positions, become more involved in the attack at left back. And then when he has to play center back, he'll fill in more and more often, especially if you see Duiji Mala maybe pick up some yellow cards and he has to play, or if it's for cup. Another guy who you already mentioned, Asante, I think it'll be good to see him. He's not really a young guy. He's 27 now, but first season with us. And I think a lot of people see him moving into the starting 11 right away, but no one knows what to expect. As you said, I had seen some of those highlight videos too. Great dribble moves. He's able to link up as far as passing is concerned really well too. That was something that I wasn't really sure if I'd see. That's something you don't always find with some of these small, elusive midfielder types. He's a great passer though. Um, And then up top, that's a tougher question. I hope to see Devin Vega come in some. As a super sub, hopefully that'll be a role that he picks up more and more time with. The thing with Devin Vega, he's only 19, and I want to see him starting in the cup matches. Hopefully we can get to a fourth round or a fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup, and so he really gets some minutes because, yeah, he he probably won't start much at the beginning of the season, but the fact that he is only 19, if we can build his confidence more than it kind of got shut down in San Antonio with him falling out of favor I think that would do him wonders. I think that would do our team wonders because he is so much more of a dribbling threat than a lot of our other strikers. I mean, Didier Drogba, he's more of an aerial threat, a free kick specialist. Sometimes you'll get him in the box of poacher's goal, but the diversity that Vega brings to the attack, I would love to see that. I'd agree. I'd love to see Vega, as the season goes on, play a prominent role because if he's playing a prominent role, then he's improved and it's really going to help the team. Do you got anything else for me? Uh, no, I think that, that should be it. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you at all the matches this season. Hopefully you enjoy a great Arizona Impact match tonight that leads to a win. We'll see. But uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, can't wait for the rising season to start. And uh, go Impact. Go Impact and go Rising. Thanks. Thanks.